All right, so we are back with, I think, episode 23 of the Clinch Perfect podcast. Now, we're uh, making good progress here, finally. Um, started slow, but we're picking it up. Joined by Tom, as always. How you been, mate? Hello, hello, hello. I'm all right. Uh, if it's not Corona, it's something else. I've somehow managed to pick up a summer cold or whatever bugs flying around the air. Um, but no, I'm good. I'm good. What a, what a weekend, eh? You need get your immune system in check, mate. Jesus. Uh, You're sick all the time like- now. It's the lack of sunlight and loads of blue screen that I think is not helping. Um, oh, yeah, working, <laughs> working on a laptop all day is not healthy, that's for sure. Uh, but, oh, I tell you, I've, I'm in such a good mood. You're <laughs> in a good mood? Penalty, yeah, I mean, I'm in such a good shoot, uh, good mood. Watching the penalty shootout was uh, pretty stressful. And then Super Sub Kepa just plucking away. Oh, fucking hell. I thought we'd go one episode without you talking <laughs> about Chelsea. Jesus Christ. Um, this is an MMA podcast, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. I have to explain. Soccer, not football. Oh yeah, soccer. I, I looked at our analytics at the remember, and we've got some listeners on the west coast of America. So please say say soccer, right. please. Respect, respect the penalty. The... There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll be chuffed. Actually, they'll be chuffed for that. Um, I've had a I've had a nightmare a couple of days with my technology. To be fair, um, all of my right. technology is breaking all at once. It's ridiculous. I was going to say, please explain, because I suddenly get a message from Ben going. Yeah, my laptop is no longer a laptop. It doesn't work unless it's oh, well, plugged in. Oh, so well, okay. So first, first my phone charger breaks. So the, the only bit that works is like the USB bit. So I need to stick it into the USB on my laptop to charge it now. But now my laptop only works if it's plugged in itself. My laptop is no longer portable. It, the second you unplug it from the charger, it just switches itself off. So I got a broken laptop, a broken phone. The headphones that I'm wearing right now, they're starting to like fray the cable. So I'm pretty sure they're going to stop working soon. So just literally in the space of like four or five days, all of my technology in my life has fucking fallen apart. So um, hopefully we'll be back with an episode next weekend. If my if everything fucking breaks, maybe not. <laughs> oh, the technical difficulties of being a journalist. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much What else have you been up to? Oh, nothing really. Just in, enjoying the fights. Um, obviously, pretty excited for, for football or soccer to start back up this weekend. Um, get, you know, get some bets on. You know, I love a bet. And um, yeah, speaking of betting, two uh, two episodes we've been giving out betting tips on on this show, and two episodes of profit. So I was I was a pretty happy pretty happy camper over the weekend. Um, yeah, but I mean, fucking hell, Cyril Garnet's good. That's that's all I have to say. Like, I I I mentioned to you that I fell asleep Saturday night and had to watch the fights on Sunday morning. And um, that was a much more enjoyable experience watching it sober on Sunday morning and uh, really getting Which to appreciate <laughs> just how good, just how good he is. Oh, I'm, glad you're, I'm glad you're on board, my friend. <laughs> it's not, it feels very sad. I feel like you with Taporio, it feels very satisfying for people to suddenly <laughs> come around to realisation that this heavyweight moves like a bit of weight, which is so cliche, but it's so true. Did you but not I see thought- the, the, the pictures I tweeted of um, me tipping... To Bronx Oliveira to be lightweight champion like 18 months ago and to Ben Sirogan to be heavy. And I know it's an interim, but I tipped Sirogan to be heavyweight champ on Twitter like a year ago. Um, BT Sport tweeted asking who's the most underrated fighter right now. And I didn't say Topuria, I said Sirogan, just for you, mate. Oh, there we go. Again, like I say, it's just, I don't know what it is about the whole MMA factory scene or whatever, but what I really enjoyed in the embedded, and I don't know if you're the same, but like in the episodes, you could really see this bond between Lopez and, and Garn, which is almost kind of, you don't really get to see that close-knit, tight-knit bond in coach and fighter very often. Like often the times it's just like, oh yeah, they're doing their pads and whatever, but you can tell they're actually genuinely mates and 
they have a lot of respect for each other and whatever. And I imagine and it's easy for, for Lopez. It's probably easy to coach Surrogan. He seems like, like you know what I mean? He's so um, cerebral and like composed yeah. Yeah, and laid back and you feel like he'd take criticism or praise well. Um, so yeah, I feel like he'd probably be a coach's dream. Yeah, well, from what I was, well, from what Lopez was telling me, he's the most naturally gifted fighter he's ever taught. And that includes obviously Big Francis. Um, well, I suppose that's evidenced by how quickly he's risen from, I mean, you know, again, making his debut to be an interim champ. It's crazy. If you think about who he's just beaten in his past three fights, I mean, uh, forget Derek Lewis. The guys fought Junior, Junior Dos Santos, former heavyweight champion, who on his day beat Stipe, Kane, you name it. Like, very, very decent fighter. Completely outclassed Jairzinho Rosenstroich, who is also an um, absolute monster of a heavyweight. And we've seen him knock people out with his jab, for God's sake. Oh, and then he goes and outclasses Alexander Volkov, who was a heavyweight champion in another organization where he basically completely dominated that division. Like, and this is what, his 10th fight, and he's just basically beaten the guy in his own backyard. It's, it's, the scale this guy is growing. At it's crazy. It's like crazy. normally when someone's five and oh, six and oh, they're still fighting cans, bums, whatever you want to call them. Um, to be 10 and oh, and like you said, to have that strength of resume, he's, he's fought like four elite heavyweights already. Like absolutely crazy. And if he adds Francis to that list, um, that will be even crazier. I think you said he moves like a middleweight and I, and I, I've already used this comparison with a couple of people. So if someone has heard this and is listening, um, sorry for repeating myself, but I, I kind of liken him to a, a, a heavyweight wonder boy, not like, you know, yeah. their actual styles of striking aren't similar, obviously, you know, wonder boy is completely unique, but just in terms of like the, the, such being such a difficult puzzle to solve for the other fighters in the division, in terms of how effortlessly you can switch stances, you know, dip in and out and, and time his strikes and um, just, just everything about him is like, impossible to read and the fact also that he's so calm and so composed like we just mentioned with um with his coat you know with uh with lopez um obviously the difference being he can grapple as well so it's it's just insane like you say how quickly his skill set has developed i think that's what makes this whole like garn versus Ngani debate so interesting right because everyone it's like the deontay wilder tyson fury argument and don't get me wrong i'm not comparing the two because two completely different sports but in a sense, there is there is a certain similarity. You've got yeah. the big, hulking, bruising Nganu, and you've got the more skillful but equally hard-hitting Gun, who just uses his strength in a slightly different way. And I, I've seen a lot of takes on Twitter like, oh, Nganu will knock him out, or Nganu's got incredible wrestling because of what he did to Stipe. But I don't think Stipe was expecting Nganu to have made those little incremental changes that he made to his game plan to beat him the second time. Yeah, I don't. I think Stipe kind of just tailored his game plan to the first Ngannou. He didn't take into account those changes. Do you know what I noticed with that? Actually, um, what you just mentioned of people saying, "Oh, Francis will knock him out." MMA fans hate new shit. That's what I noticed this weekend. Yeah, oh, it's um, so true. M MMA fans, and I'm not talking like you know, if casuals in a derogatory way, like you know, the kids you post on Instagram about Connor fight week when you know they've never watched another fight in their life. And we're not talking about those people. I'm talking about like actual MMA fans who watch you know, most events, you know, pay-per-view or not. Um, before the Francis and Stipe fight, it was the other way around. You know, they were all saying, oh, Stipe, you know, Stipe will out-wrestle him, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, he's, he's done it before, he's beaten before, he'll do it again. 
And now, now that Francis is champion and Cyril's a new guy, it's like, oh, Francis will knock him out. It's like everyone just hates whoever the new thing is. And then, you know, the next heavyweight to come along, they'll be like, oh, Cyril Gunn's going to destroy him. This guy's a bum. Like, do you know what I mean? It's crazy. Oh, it's so true. It's a weird mentality, isn't it, as sports fans? To, I mean, I don't, I don't see it like that. Like, I just think it's a great fight stylistically. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's the, 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 the cauldron in the room, so to speak, of the, the tension between Lopez and Ngannou. Not so much Ngannou and Ngannou, from what I understand. There's no real beef there. In fact, I don't, I don't think either of them care too much. They're just kind of are very competitive and both want the title. Like, yeah. Understandably. But yeah, it is crazy. Like some of the, again, some of the hard takes, like, I, I don't think people quite realize how well Garn judges range. It's actually something Dan Hardy was talking about on his podcast the other day. He was saying, like, Garn, you can see, almost reads people's footwork before they've even made that move. Like, He'll he'll like he uh, knows what they're gonna do before they yeah, exactly yeah he'll he'll have been like oh okay they're gonna put their feet in a certain way which means I can land my strike here to cause damage or whatever mm-hmm. and he doesn't necessarily like against Derek Lewis to me Derek Lewis I, I I don't ever want to call a fighter a quitter but to me it felt like Derek Lewis quit because he couldn't answer I, the can I problem. can I can I brag and be smug here didn't I say last week I could see this going like the Derek Lewis versus Mark Hunt fight where he, he kind of was a little bit gun-shy and then shelled up and just gave up after he gassed. That's exa- I mean, it looked almost the finish looked almost identical. Yeah, it did. And I'll tell you what, everyone complaining about illegal strikes hasn't got a clue how MMA works. <laughs> you see? <laughs> Ridiculous. What's he meant to do against a guy turtle? Yeah, there's, I mean, that's just stupid. Um, yeah, like I say, Gan, I honestly think he might be like the smartest fighter on the roster. Um, I don't know what his IQ is. I mean, in terms of it, you know, in the octagon. IQ, um, yeah. yeah, like I mentioned to you that you know, um, I had said last week on the pod actually that the the body kicks will be there all day for him, but he didn't really throw any. He didn't throw any body kicks out of southpaw because he knew that if he does that, he's going to open himself up to a you know right over the top, and that's probably Lewis's best chance of landing something on him so even though they were there all day for him he didn't throw him because you know he's he's already thinking you know two steps ahead like you say he already knows what lewis is gonna gonna plan to do um and yeah i think mainly for that reason i'd have to lean i'd have to lean gun in a francis fight because i feel like if you're betting on francis there you're kind of betting on the smartest and most technical fighter we've seen in the heavyweight division for a long time making a stupid mistake do you know what i mean wandering onto a bomb yeah and i i think do you know, it's weird because I think the only way Francis beats him is if he bull rushes him and tries to do something really unorthodox, kind of like what he did to Rosenstruck. <laughs> if, he d- if he gives him the windmill that he yeah, gave Rosenstruck. But, but I don't think Garn is stupid enough to just stand in a straight line and let him do it. <laughs> yeah, Rosenstruck like, tried to throw a calf kick during that, which is... Um, yeah. I think Garn, again, you saw it against Lewis. Garn just circles away, goes back to position. Mm-hmm. Didn't throw as many leg kicks, obviously, but just sets him up with the jab. His boxing is so crisp as well. Like that, that's something that blew me away. It's it, it's kind of mad how adaptable he is to different fighters. Like he fought Lewis in a completely different way to the way he fought Volkov. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about like the heavyweight prospects that are coming up, like Chris Dalkus, I mean the Tom Aspinall Cyril Garn fight, I would love to see at some point. But it's kind of mad how they're not pushing. They didn't push those guys who came in around the same time as Garn anywhere near as quick and that's something is testament to lopez because apparently the ufc went up to lopez and went look do you want this guy to be like paced a little bit or do you want him to be tested immediately and just push him and see how far as he goes and apparently he just went no he's ready just give him everything and you can see i mean 
the UFC reward that. They love that. And I'll tell you what yeah. was really interesting as well. Dana's comments after the fight, you can tell he, he realizes he has a star on his hands because if they conquer France, who's the biggest sport? Well, one of the biggest sports stars on the planet who's literally just moved to Paris this week. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you want you actually wanted me to answer that? Like, like oh, no, somebody it's just doesn't rhetorical. know. It's, it's, it's just... <laughs> you just left such a long pause. Mate, no, it... little tip for rhetorical questions. Cut that pause in half. Cut it to like a <laughs> second or two. That was way too I, I thought, oh my god, he actually wants me to answer Messi. <laughs> well, I, I was I was anticipating that many people might not know who Messi is from a certain side of the world. Uh, I'm pretty but... sure everyone knows who Messi is, whether they're a football or soccer fan. American or not. reporter who <laughs> the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Um Shannon Sharp. Yeah. yeah, he's a former. Uh, I think he's a former wide receiver in the NFL. Um, yeah, so probably football's not his. Uh, not his uh, best source of knowledge there. Um, should we move on to the co-main event? Fucking yeah, Jose good. Aldo, the the ageless wonder. Um, I was mind blown to realize he's actually only thirty four. Like it feels like he's been around forever. Um, I think this week actually is the seventeen year anniversary of his debut. So he's been fighting literally for half of his life professionally, which is absolutely crazy. Um, looked so good. Uh, like I said, I only watched the highlights. I didn't watch the full fight because I watched it on Sunday morning. Um, more on that when we get to the Angela Hill fight. Uh, <laughs> and he just, like I said, looks so good. Um, I know it's been mentioned before. I'm repeating what other people have said here, but how easily he checked the leg kicks was just insane, especially after what Munoz did to Jimmy Rivera. Like, just so skilled and so smart how he just checked basically every single one flawlessly. I think that's also years of conditioning as well. Like, yeah. I know it sounds crazy, but if you think about the amount of damage he's taken on his legs, I would hedge a bet that, yeah, he may feel some pain, but I'd also imagine that some of his nerve cells might be a bit deadened or a bit numb. Um, yeah. Which probably makes that a bit easier, but I just love his style. Like, it looked like the, it looked, to me, it looked like the Aldo of old. Like, uh, he, he wasn't quite doing the snapping kick as much or, you know, like that high Muay Thai stance, but. Yeah. He kind of had the bit between his teeth, and he was—he he knew he kind of had to put on a bit of a show against this not young buck, but fellow countryman, derby rival, whatever you want to call it. And he looked amazing. And I'll tell you what, his call out afterwards, the TJ Dillashaw, sign me up. I'm on board. I've been—I wanted that fight years ago. Get it? I, I, sign me up. Don't do it now. I'm done. I, I like that fight, but also TJ did tear his meniscus in the Sanhagen fight. So if we make that, Aldo is going to have to wait around for a while. Because it's probably going to be what December, January time before TJ can go again. Um, so maybe make Sanhagen in the meantime. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, if if Dillashaw's healthy, I couldn't agree more. That would just be such a banging fight. And uh, you know, Aldo might just have to sit on the sidelines for a little bit and wait. Um, there's been some murmurs of him fighting Connor. Um, you know, getting get another red panty night, or does he go for the title run at 135? I think that's nonsense, to be honest. I saw was it um, Max Kellerman on ESPN saying that he should go up to 155 and fight Connor. I was just like, what? The-? He's just done like the most successful, healthy, probably one of the healthiest weight cuts to, you know, to go down a division I've ever seen. Like he looks ripped. He looks more ripped than he did at 145 almost. Like the only one I think comes close is uh, Edson Barbosa. When he moved down, he looked even more ripped. Um, but yeah, so why would he then jump up two weight divisions and meet Connor at 155? You know, like... That's just fucking nonsense. The only way that's going to happen is if they meet in the middle at 145. But um, yeah, I'd much, like you said, I'd much rather see him go for TJ, make a run at the belt. That's a perfect number one contender bout. So um, yeah, Vicente Luque, also very impressive. Speaking of uh, impressive Brazilians, 
Um, this was the the one betting loss. I had Chiesa getting him to the mat and keeping him there. He got him to the mat and uh, lost his own game, I suppose you could say. that. I mean, just insanely impressive by Luque to do that to Michael Chiesa of all people. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I, again, I got my, I, well, I'll put my hands up. I got it wrong. I kind of thought Chiesa would just blanket him, but Luque proves me wrong again. Well, like I say, Chiesa, that was Chiesa's game, wasn't it? Like, he, he is like the king of scrambling around like that. He's so good. Like you saw it in the Neil Magni fight. Every time Magni tried to move or get up, boom, he was there. He was on top of him. Like Kesa is so good at that. And he just made one little mistake. And that's apparently all it takes against Vicente Luque, who has finished 19 of his 21 professional wins, which is just absolutely insane, by the way. That is a crazy number. Of Especially things. when he's been in the UFC for so long. Like I think 10 or 11 of those are probably in the UFC. Like absolutely crazy. I mean, just going back to the little mistake, though, it's not a little mistake, is it? Like, if you think about it, like, an elite-level fighter leaving your neck exposed for that long... Yeah, I suppose little mistake was the wrong word. Get, no, no, getting no, no, Darst no, no. joked, but... No, no, uh, I, yeah. I just mean it's, it, it, it's something... I think Dana was kind of alluding to it, that, like, it's kind of crazy for a guy of, of Kiesa's skill set to... Uh, as a grappler himself, like, mm-hmm. the guy's BJJ black belt, like, <laughs> how do you suddenly get up from the mat and leave your neck so exposed? It just didn't really make much sense to me. I must have, I'm a bit gutted as well, because I just... I don't see, I kind of don't see Luke getting anywhere close to Usman. I think if, if I think if they fight, I think Usman will just knock him out in the first like two rounds because I don't think I don't. Luke's chin is made of concrete. To be fair, he can take a hell of a shot. But we said the same about Masvidal, didn't we? Yeah, true. But I don't know Luke. Luke Luke is a different. I mean, Masvidal's just a savage. Luke actually, like I've seen him take some of the most ridiculous shots on the chin and not even move. Um, I think Usman would win, but I think he'd probably rely more on his wrestling. To be honest, I just I, well, but my point being, I just don't see him having the skill set to trouble him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which to me is kind of why I'm get, I'm getting a bit bored of the welterweight division because there's nothing. Because <laughs> Usman's just so good, yeah. Well, no, it's, um, it's, it's kind of like it feels a bit like. The, I think we're getting to the point of like the Valentina Shevchenko era. Because I feel like when Usman ragdolls Colby Covington into the next century, like then everyone will be like, "Oh, yeah, we've got a bit of a problem." Do you know what I mean? It's just I, I didn't see. I, I thought Luke looked amazing, but I didn't think he looked like considering the trouble that he had at the start of the fight. I didn't think he looked yeah. very like champion material. But who knows? It's MMA. You can't predict these things. <laughs> well, if we're on the subject of boring, um, Tisha Torres and Angela Hill. And I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. I know some people like, you know, say the women's fights aren't, you know, some of my favorite fights of all times are female fights, like Zhang Wei Li and Joanna is one of my favorite fights of all time. But um, this fight legitimately put me to sleep. And I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, yeah, that put me to sleep as a metaphor. No, I legit fell asleep because of this fight and I missed. Vicente Luque's win. I missed Jose Aldo looking like prime Jose Aldo. I missed Cyril Gan shock. Well, not shocking the world. He was a huge favorite, but looking amazing. Um, damn you, Angela Hill. <laughs> Bested me I again. Sent, <laughs> I sent Ben like five messages. I didn't get a reply until like 12 o'clock the next day. I was like, he definitely fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep with a lot of liquor in my belly and um, watched the rest the next day. So yeah, thanks Angela Hill and Tisha Torres for making me miss all that. But um, good win for Tisha Torres, I guess. And, uh, you know, ma- making some noise there in the strawweight division. Um, I mean, she's definitely got like, you know, a good, well-rounded skill set. I just don't see that she has the, uh, you know, the the sort of superstar element to her that she can go on and propel herself into the title picture, to be honest. But um, she looked pretty good. Um, Song Yudong, Casey Kenny, 
Song Yudong, pretty dominant decision win, I'd say. Casey Kenny jumped up on the octagon afterwards to like be like, oh, I should have won and like get the crowd to cheer for him and nobody cheered. It was the most awkward thing I've ever seen. So awkward. That fight bored me to death as well, I'll be honest. Because I was just like, I mean, there was a decent scrap, but I'd, I kind of fancied one of them to finish the other. Although maybe they're both a bit too technical. I don't know. I suppose yeah, you got to give some credit to Kenny's chin for that because Song Yudong does have absolute bombs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the man has granite in his fist, doesn't he? But yeah, like Kenny, Kenny's whole attitude was just weird. Like, look at the state of you after the fight and tell me you won that fight. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that was really bizarre. The the only mistake on the judging was that one of the judges gave it to him. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he was moaning about. That was really weird. Um, but yeah. Um, pretty impressive win for Song Yudong. Like you say, it wasn't wasn't anything spectacular. It was kind of what you'd expect um, from him. He is a, he's a good technical striker. And uh, speaking of crazy yeah. judging decisions, um, should we talk about the next fight? Well, this was so weird because when they read out thirty twenty seven, I was like, oh my god, Bobby Green won. <laughs> and I I had a drunken bet on Bobby Green decision because first of all, that's his, that was the only way he was going to win the fight. And second of all, he's the king of winning close decisions. So I was like, okay, if BCF doesn't knock him out, you could feasibly see a you know a you know con- controversial decision going Bobby Green's way. It's happened before. He wins a lot of close decisions. So um, yeah, when they ran out thirty twenty seven, I was like, yes, I've won because that third round was by far the clearest round, possibly the entire night for anyone that Bobby Green won that round. Um, but I mean. Busy, I've won the fight, so I'm not yeah, complaining about I'm not complaining about losing a bet. I'm just saying that that third round. I mean, I I can't I generally can't make any argument or, or like any justification of what that judge saw. You know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, well, maybe he scored a takedown or blah blah blah. No, there was nothing. Like, there's no way you could score the third round for Fizzy ever. Oh no, a clear third round for Bobby Green. But to be honest, that's the only round he won. Like yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had it, like I said, 20, 29, 28 to, to Raphael Faziev. Faziev? Yeah, Faziev. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, yeah, I have no complaints about losing my drunken bet. Um, I just, ugh, I couldn't believe, I couldn't actually believe that, that, that there was a judge that watched that and said, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's for him. That's, that runs Texas for him judges, easily. Man. Texas judges. <laughs> it was a good fight, though. It was a good, yeah, actually, it was a fun fight. This sounds a bit weird, but I kind of have it in like a fight of the year potential, which sounds a bit crazy because obviously he won a decision, a unanimous decision. But I was thoroughly entertained. There's post-fight interview as well. Arguably the GOAT of all post-fight interviews. Called out Genius Martin, I have to yeah. say. I saw someone say on Twitter like, oh, he wasted his chance to call out someone. And I was like, what? Casual UFC fans that watch pay-per-views only do not know the lightweights between like the five and 15 range. Do you know what I mean? They don't even know like, who Rafael Fiziev is. Yeah. They just they, know the guy's called out. <laughs> they know who Hasbulla is. Like it is genius marketing. Like obviously it's just a bit of silly fun, but um, yeah, it was actually pretty brilliant from him. Have you seen um, Hasbulla's reply? <laughs> it was like, apparently uh, his, his manager asked him something like, what, are you going to fight this evening? He was like, yes. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a legend. I love that. Have you seen like, there's always videos of him with like a monkey. They always seem to have a monkey hanging <laughs> yeah. around with them. And he yeah. always laughs at the monkey, like an old man. And it just cracks me up every time. Um, there's that one where the monkey's like picking fleas out of there. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a weird dynamic, but also weirdly adorable. Like, 
Um, I think I saw Harland as well has a, 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 a Hasbulla mug, which is just like the best thing I've seen online. <laughs> There's a nice crossover for you. Um, Vince Morales got a pretty uh, pretty close decision win against Draco Rodriguez. Um, I did think Morales won the fight. And that was the right decision. But um, I didn't think he looked particularly good, to be honest. Um, someone who did look really good was Alonzo Menafield. I think myself and everyone else thought well, if this goes out of the first round, you'd have to start to favor Ed Herman a little bit because Menafield, you know, is one of these big fast twitch muscle guys and has gas like crazy in the past, but um, paced himself and looked really good. Yeah, but as you say, he's kind of fixed his cardio. Or so it seems he's fixed his cardio issue. Against a guy like Ed Herman, I can't imagine it's too hard because, let's face it, it's kind of one-way traffic. Um, yeah, I'm actually not sure how, like, I really don't understand how Ed, Ed, Ed Sherman's still on the roster. Like, does that sound harsh? But, like... Well, because he got that, that win against Mike Rodriguez where he got knocked out, well, TKO'd by a knee, and then yeah. the ref thought it was a nut shot, and then he came back and subbed him. Um, so, I don't know, maybe we'd lost that one and then lost here, then... Uh, then he wouldn't be on the roster anymore. But I don't know, it just gets just just an, a good litmus test for young guys like Menafield, isn't he? Yeah, I guess it's a name. You're right. Yeah. Speaking of names and and snapping necks and cashing checks. Uh, and depression. What to, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> this made me so make, sad. This fight made me so sad. <laughs> um, Jessica Benet, obviously happy for her because I know she had a long layoff and come back and looked really good. Two wins on the bounce. But um, yeah, I was so sad for Carolina. Did you see the video she put on Instagram afterwards? Oh yeah, she was like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. She was like crying into the camera and saying like yeah. that she's poured her whole life and passion to this, and now all of a sudden she's not good at it anymore. Like, oh god, it was heartbreaking. If if <laughs> if you're you know prone to a bit of a tearjerker like that, then don't go watch that video on her Instagram. But um, yeah, obviously really good performance by Penne, and um, she looks um probably the best she's ever looked in her career. Yeah, fantastic performance. Kind of a clinical. But it felt weird that Carolina kind of gave up what I would have thought would have been an advantage. Yeah, so, she I mean, followed her down to the mat, which was bizarre. Yeah. Shall we just anoint her Garbrandt game plan winner of yeah. the week right now? Unanimous. <laughs> there we go. We're just skip that. We'll just skip hey, that. We're, and we're just both in that agreement. Now. This is like history making. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't understand it. In fact, I, I felt like, I, I don't think I messaged you then, but I was like, Ben's probably already picking up the Garbrandt game plan winner, and I'm going to completely agree because <laughs> it's just yeah. so stupid. I was gutted for it, but like I say, it was a terrible decision to follow. Like you're literally going into her wheelhouse, and then that's what happens. Uh, what do we have next? Manel Karp finally, oh, finally throwing some volume. Actually, he didn't throw that much volume. He no. was still, he was still <laughs> kind of, he was still kind of slow. But he finally showed some of the explosiveness that everyone was expecting when he when he joined the UFC. Um, you know, lovely little switch stance into the, into the flying knee and uh, knocks out Ode Osborne. And if if he can just turn that volume up a little bit, I still think he can be a contender. But at the same time, the fact that he didn't really do it here makes me think he won't. I think I'd quite like to see him at a weight class above, which sounds a bit crazy considering how stacked it is. But I do feel like he kind of give, he gives up. I think he's fought a bantamweight before as well. I'm sure he has. I think he kind of gives up a bit by like the cut because he looks pretty big at 125, right? Yeah, he's pretty ripped. 
I don't know what it was about, like, the, the fight, but, well, I think he came in three pounds overweight. And that was actually quite funny. When DC stopped him taking the mic, I was like, yeah, fair play. Oh, yeah, he called for the bonus, and DC was like, yeah, you have to make weight for that one, buddy. Um, yeah, br- brutal, because you can imagine it, can't you? Like, the adrenaline's going, and he's completely forgotten about the weight cut thing. He's just knocked someone out with a flying knee on a pay-per-view card. He's like, give me that 50K. He's completely forgot about the weight cut. And then it's, he's got his old mentor going, uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, obviously, glad that he finally showed up, like I said, even though he didn't exactly turn the volume up, which is what I've been asking for. Um, good to see him actually turn up. Uh, Miles Johns, by the way, this was oh. probably one my favourite moment of the night, this knockout. Like, oh, the most textbook body head one-two combo. You'll at like... They could just play that as like you know teaching tutorials to young kids learning how to box. It's just beautiful. Yeah, you know, like on the, on uh, Fight Pass where they have like the highlights in between the fights. Yeah, like the, the lad, they should do that. This this should be like a little lad. Like this is what happens in the UFC. Boom, because it was it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. As you put in the notes as well, his, his leg was compromised. Like you, you could see. So yeah, Dos Santos is a savage, yeah. by the way. That guy's leg was destroyed and he was just charging mm. forward like an absolute nutcase. I think I wrote I wrote in my post by notes, mangled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mangled is probably a good way of putting it. It, it did look pretty sore. Um yeah, that was a that was a good fight. Uh Gatto. We kind of predicted that fight would go that way, to be honest. It was kind of a weird it was a weird I don't know, it, it was odd, a weird yeah. stoppage bit, um, like a weird ending. Yeah, I, it was weird because she she clearly didn't know when she'd broken it. Like, yeah, it clearly happened at some point during that round, and and she just had no idea when. Um, I think we predicted Gatto sub, but um, you know the classic pick a sub and then someone's arm gets broken and it counts as a TKO. Um, love that. Still pissed we're about. Still, we're still Paul, not salty about Paul Craig. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm still pissed about Paul Craig not cashing my sub bet on Jamal Hill. But there we go. We'll move on. I'm not I'm not salty at all. Um, yeah, she looked pretty good. Gatto looked pretty good. Um, and then Johnny Munoz opening up the card also looked very good. Although I have to say, Simmons was just not UFC caliber. Like he didn't even look that good on the regional scene. I watched some of his tape in the build up to the card. So um, good win for Munoz, but kind of one you'd expect him to get and expect him to get in dominant fashion, which he did. Um, I've got a little social media watch segment to do before we move on to our news. Um, first of all, some wholesome content. Um, just want to give a shout out to Philip Rowe. We got a really impressive win a couple of weeks ago. Comeback win against Orion Kosi. Um, I saw he's been like raising money for school supplies and clothes for for disadvantaged kids in his area. I don't actually know where he lives. I probably should have researched that for the pod. But <laughs> there you go. There's my journalistic standards. Um, and yeah, you know he's you know pretty new to the UFC. He's not exactly going to be on a big paycheck, is he? I don't know what his financial situation's like if he's got income coming in elsewhere. But you know the fact that he's still taking the time to do that, I just thought it deserves a mention. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, then uh, then go do that. Go follow Philip Rowe. Um, yeah. Less wholesome content alert: Connor vs DC, the beef we didn't know we needed. <laughs> it's really its ugly head once again. <laughs> Uh, it's just so stale it's always the same old kind of insults and yeah the whole thing doesn't sit right with me i did see one thing connor said made me laugh and it was like some stupid childish insult that i was just like oh i'm gonna take that and use it on people it was like (laughs) what is your weight or something like that it was something really weird that just cracked me up because it was just so simplistic i was like oh that's amazing definitely stealing that let me just find it um but yeah, it's clearly Connor just got drunk watching his fight back with Dustin and didn't like the commentary because I've seen clips on Twitter since like this week people have been sharing 
Um, there's loads of clips out there of them meeting each other in person and being, you know, very sociable and, and nice to each other. So like, it's Connor's clearly just got pissed and not enjoyed the commentary on that fight. Um, oh, your weight is abysmal. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what cracked me up. He said, your, your weight and way of life is abysmal. Um, so yeah, definitely stealing that. It's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's just uh, I get so bored with MMA Twitter and social media beef now. I've just seen so much the same old stuff. Um, what else has we got? Oh, the news. The news. the news. Tom Aspinall has a fight. Oh, very exciting. Right. Very exciting. Very dangerous fight mm-hmm. for both. Yeah, Pavlo, which is an absolute killer as well. Yeah. That is a t- and he's not just a He's not just got a massive punch. He's also a really good wrestler as well. We, mm-hmm. I'm not actually done. I don't know what the, the the height differential is. I imagine they're about the same height. It feels like they're very similar in a way, doesn't it? Because yeah. they're both known for their hands, but they have underrated ground games that people don't really get to see that often. Yeah, I mean, like I think Pavlovich got smoked by Reem in his first fight, right? Yeah, I think it, I think his one loss is to Reem. Yeah, which okay is like, I mean, them throwing you to the to the Reem in your first UFC fight shows you how good they think you're going to be, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, this is that's a that's a big test. That is a big, big test. Yeah, that, that, that makes the card even more stacked. I don't know. I don't understand how they're going to fit all these fights on this card. <laughs> I actually have a list of me. I was going to read them out to you and just go five. Just go. Ev- everyone that I say, you'll be like, oh, that's surely the last banger on this card. So this is a September fourth card that was supposed to be in London and it's and it's going to be moved to Vegas. Apparently, they're going to do it at a reasonable time for UK fans. So. Um, you know, UK fans will still be able to see all the, the British fights that are on this card, but it's just an absolutely stacked. So main event, Darren Till, Derek Brunson, co-main, Gustafsson and Paul Craig. But before that, Ankalaev and Volkan Uzdemir, Tom Aspinall, Sergei Say, Pavlovich. Uh, uh, sorry, just stop. Ankalaev I, kn- I knew you wouldn't be able to make it what? through the whole card, mate. <laughs> that is filthy. Yeah, that's and trust me, there's so much more. So we've got Ankalaev and Uzdemir, Aspinall and Pavlovich, Alex Perez and Matt Schnell, Khalil Roundtree and, and Modestus Bukowskis, um, Marcelo Rojo and Jonathan Martinez. If you remember, Marcelo Rojo is the Argentinian guy who had that absolute war with uh, Charles Jordan in his UFC debut. Um, yeah. Marti Casey against Rafael Alves, Paddy Pimlet and Luigi Vendramini, Jack Shaw and Said Nurmagomedov, two insanely good prospects there. Leroy Murphy an and match. Charles Jordan. Um, That's also an amazing match. Molly McCann and Gion Kim. Ariane Lipsky and Mandy Bohm, um, Barry Alt versus Lund Gambula. That one I don't really care about, not going to lie. Barry Alt's kind of a boring fighter. Um, and uh, Zawada against Kandzoko, or Kandosko, sorry. Um, yeah, just an absolutely... I mean, Charles Jordan and Leron Murphy is surely the sleeper fight on that card. What a fight that's going to be. That's going to be like the most exciting striking fight. Jordan oh, all, like, like always puts himself in danger. Like that's what I love about him. It, it probably means he'll never be like a champion, but he goes out there and like puts himself in harm's way just to land his own shots and doesn't give a fuck. Like and against Leroy Murphy, that's probably a bad idea, but it'll make for a hell of an entertaining scrap. Arguably the most technical boxer in that weight class. That is yeah. like a that is oh I'm I mean, the, the caveat to that is I know some of those fights aren't going to be on that card, not just because they're going to get moved, but also because of injuries. Yeah, uh, some of them some of them will get moved to 267 as well. Um, but yeah, like I say, if if we can just keep the, the main and the co-main and Angolive and Uzdemir 
and then like a few of the British prospects like Jack Shaw and Leron Murphy. And um, yeah, then that, that would just be an absolutely insane card. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to make it, I don't want to make an early prediction here because it's not a prediction, but I am a bit worried about Till versus Brunson. Like, I don't know if yeah, maybe worried is the right word because Till looks massive at middleweight, right? Like he does yeah. look big. But then he kind of looked he didn't look that big against Robert Whitaker. Like I was watching that, I watched that fight the other day. And if you look at them, it kind of felt like Rob was the bigger man in the cage. Brunson's doesn't uh, Brunson's quite deceptive, right? He doesn't look massive, but he actually like carries a lot for a middleweight. And with that wrestling, like I mean, his wrestling is so good. And we just saw we did to Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland and hit until stylistically, not necessarily not similar, but their striking, the way they they move and they flow, there are certain parallels that can be made, right? Yeah, I feel like people are kind of writing off Brunson a bit too easily. I mean, still backing Till to win, of course, I want Till to win. Yeah, apparently Till's like locked himself away in some like cheap room in Liverpool, and is just eat, sleep, train. That's all he does. Like he's like moved out and is just focused a hundred percent on training. So um, maybe I would have to assume he's just drilling, you know, takedown defense and yeah, and wrestling get-ups from, from, uh, from all that time, extra time spent training. And that would probably be good for him. Um, it's probably the most stacked fight card, like fight night card. Yeah. Like I say, if it, it won't stay like that, but if it does stay like that, it's honestly the best fight night card I've ever seen. It's it absolutely crazy. Even if it doesn't, they'll bring other fights on, right? Giant. Yeah. So some of the ones that fall off, they'll bring other bangers onto it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm that's super excited stuff. for Jonathan Martinez and Marcelo Rojo as well. Like that's gonna sneaky well, banger there. We rate both of those really highly. I know Martinez got smoked by um our our mate David. By Grant. the boy Davy Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we've been really hard on him. He's looked very very good. And and as you say. Yeah, Rojo just likes a scrap. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how good Rojo actually is yet, but that guy Liz loves a scrap. Um, Gonna be yeah. a bang couple interesting things at lightweight obviously you got everyone seen by now dustin poirier calling out nate diaz on twitter um that kind of leaves a question of who the hell fights charles Oliveira next um there is one fight at lightweight that's already been made that's quite interesting um arman sarukian it sounded like i said our man like how you just said our man davy grant um <laughs> our man our man sarukian uh, is fighting uh christos Kiagos, who just got that really impressive i think second round submission win on the last pay-per-view um Bit of, bit of a weird one, if I'm honest, because I feel like Sarukian, like that's kind of a step down for him almost. No, you know, no disrespect to Giagos, but I suppose it gives Giagos a chance that, you know, he'd be stopping a huge prospect there if he won that. I think it's also a case of keeping Sarukian in the rankings, but also not pushing him too highly. I think yeah. quite like Sarukian is a pretty big star in Russia. Um, I think like I've seen him quite, doing quite a lot of stuff for like UFC Russia and their PR team. Yeah. I think they're kind of realizing that they need to like backpedal a bit so they don't match him up with like a Makachev again. Or I quite, you know, weirdly, if we're not going to get Makachev Ferguson, which I don't think we will, I would love to see Makachev versus, uh, I'd love to see Sarukian versus Ferguson. That'd be an amazing fight. Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, I'd be out of breath watching those those grappling exchanges, let alone what it'd be like for them. Um, and then, yeah, obviously you've got the, the situation with the title picture. Like I said, Dustin's calling out Nate. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but um, if he if he fights Nate Diaz, that leaves Charles Oliveira without a fight, and there's not really an obvious challenger. You've got Gaethje fighting Chandler, but would you give it to Chandler if he wins that? I wouldn't. 
Um, Gaethje, you can make the argument for, obviously. Um, but to be honest, I said this to you before we started recording, I think they're shaping it up to, to rush Makachev up there to the title. Um, you know, the, the whole, you know, next Khabib, young Khabib thing is just such an easy marketable thing for them to push, especially with Khabib in his corner. And if he beats RDA, which I think we both think he will, then uh, then he's got a couple names there on his on his resume that you could just push him that you know that little bit too far and say oh yeah go on then we'll give him the title shot I can see them doing it. Who who do you want to see Charles fight next? Um, well, who I want him to see, who I want him to fight next is Poirier, obviously. But if, if that's not going to happen, then uh, then it has to be I would think Gaethje because I think Gaethje's going to beat Chandler and um, and yeah I think Gaethje smokes Chandler so. It's quite a long time out for a champion though, isn't it? Because if you think about it, Gaethje fights what? When's Gaethje fighting? Uh, October, I believe. October, October. So if, if, if that fight happens, Gaethje probably won't fight till January next year. So that's what? Eight months that John will be, uh, that DeBrance will be, be out the October. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else he can do, to be honest. Out, outside of those guys, it's probably Dariush is the next one with a chance, but um, I, I can't really see them. No. Yeah, I mean, he's beat a, an absolutely washed Tony and um, doesn't really have any other superstars on his resume. Um, so he's probably one win shy. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's, if Dustin is really pursuing the Nate fight, like, it kind of leaves them stuck in limbo a little bit. Yeah, and to me, like I get it. The money, I, I completely get it. But from a sporting perspective, come on, surely you want to see Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. Yeah, maybe definitely. Like, maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he just thinks, oh, I'll take the money and then wait to qualify fight and then sail off into the sunset kind of thing. I don't know. Well, that's, I'm, I, know you, I know you disagree with this, but if in, in my, you know, the way I think <laughs> is if, if I'm Dustin, I can make so much fucking more money fighting Nate Diaz and then fight Connor. And then if I get the belt as a bonus after that, great. If I don't, I will be so fucking rich. I will not care. I know you're, you, you know, you're thinking of like the competitive spirit. He'll want that. He'll want that belt. Um, but as I said, he has he has had the interim belt. So yes, it's not not the real belt. But it, it's not like if he retired tomorrow, he'd have never touched a UFC. You know, UFC gold. Um, so I can kind of see his logic. But you know, that's me, the uh, the degenerate gambler who only thinks about money. Um, Actually, that moves us on quite nicely, doesn't it? Because <laughs> only thinking about money. Over. Exactly. Yeah, our bo- our boy, literally our boy, is fighting. Um, how best to describe Tito Ortiz, Ben? Um, never has a man needed to be punched in the head less than Tito Ortiz. <laughs> if I could pick one person on earth who doesn't need more punches to the head, it's Tito Ortiz. Um, we won't go into all the stupid political shit he talks about. Um, it produces some funny videos, that's for sure. But um, yeah, we won't go into all that. But it's, I mean, it's a it. To me, it's a really weird fight for Anderson Silva because after he beat Chavez Jr., I was like, okay, like, okay, he's not going to go on and become a boxing champion, whatever, but he can actually make some noise in boxing now, you know, and and really that storyline of, oh, he's an MMA guy that's now a really good boxer, not just fighting celebrities, it, it would be cool. And then he's kind of like, nah, I'll just take a step back and get some easy, get an easy paycheck. I think, you know, I saw a tweet from Mike Coppinger actually, which really triggered me because he was like, oh, People should ignore like ignore the Chavez wing because Chavez was only a beat up. Chavez was a world champion. Yeah. Say what you want about his like attitude and his training. During his peak, he was a very good boxer. A very good boxer. He just didn't apply himself. 
he was still a very good boxer when he boxed Silver because Silver hadn't boxed, like legitimately boxed, for 15 years. Like, that's insane. It's an incredible achievement. I mean, to me, I'm not, I'm not annoyed. I think that like, I think Logan Paul didn't want the smoke clearly. Um, well, from what I've heard, anyway. And yeah, Tito Ortiz. I mean, let's face it, it's going to be a money fight. It's going to be on Triller. Give Anderson Silva all the money in the world. I do not care. I will, I will watch the guy fight and do his thing, and do his training sessions and whatever. He's, he's a legend, and he can do whatever he wants. And if he wants to make money beating up Tito Ortiz, who are we to stop him? <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, I suppose. And uh, while we're on the topic of, of mismatches, we've also got uh, a fight announcement for Claresha Shields. Um, she is fighting. And I don't have a... First of all, I should say, I should preface this by saying I don't have a problem with them giving a... What, what, what would you call it? Easy fights. Um, or should be easy fights, I suppose. Is, can Anything can happen in MMA. Um, because, you know, it's it's weird when you're starting out as a name already at O and O. Do you know what I mean? Whereas most fighters fight bums for the first few fights of their career. So it it is normal for them to be giving a, you know, what people would call easy fights. But I just couldn't believe that PFL tweeted out her fight announcement and called uh, Abigail Montez, her opponent, a budding contender. Um, she's 2-0. and She's a former 135-er, so she's going to be tiny compared to Shields. And her two wins are against two 0-0 fighters, or previously 0-0 fighters. So, uh, yeah, budding contender may be a bit of a, an over-exaggeration there, but um, probably the right move for them to, to not rush Shields even the slightest bit. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> just, just, just a tad. Um, I, I must admit, this is this is the one PFL event that I'm not particularly stoked about. I think it's just because there's no Brennan line. Like, I'm not really that. But saying that, I love Clay Collard. The guy's amazing. He's and he was such a huge story. underdog to win this win this tournament yeah. as well. I think he was like a hundred to one or something at the start of the yeah. at the start of the seasons. I don't think you, I don't think anyone would be able to believe Clay Collard if he went. Oh yeah, I'm like a pro boxer slash MMA fighter, pretty casual, don't really take the whole thing seriously. Oh, I've just gone and beaten Anthony Pettis on the way to winning a million dollars. Like well this is the uh this is the Pettis derby, isn't it? Um Clay Collard and Manfield, they both beat him on the on this season. So it's quite an interesting matchup. But yeah, I think I'd have to lean Clay Collard mainly because I like the guy and I like the storyline, like you say. Um the other lightweight semi-final is uh Radzabov and Alex Martinez. Um, I just saw Alex Martinez speaking at like their press day or whatever it is and um, talking about stuff that's going on back home with him and uh, rooting for him as well now. Seemed like a really cool guy. And um, yeah. Very not, switched on. Yeah. Just, just seemed like a really sort of cerebral guy, like like similar to what we said about Gan. And um, yeah, got, got not, much, not much to say about that matchup, to be honest. Um, welterweight, obviously we got um, Rory McDonald and Ray Cooper III is the main event of the card. Um, this anything could happen in this fight, right? Like these guys both get finishes and get finished themselves when they lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, don't blink. I don't think it will go, I don't think it will make it out the first round. No, I mean, I, my thinking is either Rory sub, if it goes to the mat or Cooper KO, if it, if it stays standing up, like I, I complete, I'm completely split on this. I really couldn't pick between them, but like you say, I can't see it lasting more than two rounds max. I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I don't really, uh, we haven't really seen, has anyone tried to take Cooper down this season? Um, trying to think back uh, his last fights. I don't think so. Because no, he fought he that guy, his first fight was against that guy who literally can't grapple and has been subbed like 12 times in his career. Um, 
yeah, so I don't know. It'd be interesting if it went to the mat. I think uh, I got it on the notes here. Cooper's been finished in six of his seven losses, and four of those were were submissions. So you'd have to give Rory, you know, the edge there. He is very crafty on the mat, and that may be his game plan to get him down and and nullify that insane power that Cooper has. Yeah, and I think, not not accusing Rory McDonald of being chinny in any, any sort of way, but you cannot afford to get caught sleeping by Ray Cooper. Again, no, especially when you've gone 25 minutes with roided Robbie Lawler earlier in your career. Like, that that yeah. chin is knackered. <laughs> and who did he fight? Who did he lose to? Hang on, who, who did McDonald literally just lose to? Oh, he got robbed against, um, what's his name? Tebow? Is uh, that how you say I it? Thought, was Tebow not meant to be? I swear Tebow was meant to be fighting, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he is still fighting, but they had like a short notice replacement and then another short notice replacement. PFL are really bad at communicating their um their I fight changes in like a, a press release that is somewhere in the middle of so yeah un- unrelated you know, get get your shit together pfl when <laughs> when uh, when fights change like i think they literally just today the day before the fights told us who's actually fighting on the card um the the, the other welterweight semi-final is magomed magomed karimov against um side busai who just got an upset on kunchenko in the last round so he'll be going for another upset here um don't think i can see it magomed karimov is really good so, um, you know, pretty tricky matchup there for Sai coming in. I think he's coming in on short notice as well. Um, That's going to be a very tasty final, what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. And uh, and then we've got Bellator as well, which I know you don't care about. <laughs> well, enlighten me. I, I tell you, I, should, I, I do feel bad. I'm well, my, my favourite fact of the fight fact of the weekend is that we have so much magomed on on the Friday night. We've got, <laughs> like I just said, the, the PFL welterweight semifinal, there's... Magomed Magomed Karimov, and then the Bellator co-main is Magomed Magomedov. <laughs> There's Magomedness all over the gaff. Um, I'm actually in the co-main. I'm actually leaning against Magomedov just just with a cheeky bet here because Stotts is an insane athlete and a really good wrestler, and he's like over three to one, like more than triple your money. If you give me those odds on a on a really good athlete and a really good wrestler against anyone, I'll take it. And to be honest, I think Magomedov might be a sneaky bit overrated. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have a little bet on the underdog here on uh, on Raphael Stotts. And um, and I've got another bet for the main event um, to not go the distance because, let's be honest, Salter's probably going to die. Um, Gegard Musasi against John Salter. I think Salter's pretty much got like a round to submit him. And if he doesn't, he's screwed. Yeah, I think that's right. And. Um... <laughs> This is my whole issue with Bellator. Like, it just seems like they're in the habit of like signing washed UFC fighters who then become champ. It's just it's really hard to see the business model. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's I, weird. I find it's so hard to see it. But yeah, I'm putting I'm putting that doesn't go the distance in a double with um, the uh, Everett Cummings and Davion Franklin fight. That's an interesting one actually because I think Cummings is like. 14 and 0 or some. It might not be that many. It might be less than that. But he's undefeated in every single win is by finish um oh, and uh and davion franklin is also i think pretty pretty new i think he's like two and one or something his professional record and the guy is absolutely hench one of the fucking scariest people i've ever seen so i'm counting on someone I, I, to die in that fight as well if i can um bellator please don't mess up the broadcasting again uh, i will <laughs> try and watch this one you can, um, if you can find it on iplayer yeah why is it so, honestly why is it so hard to find an iplayer Please explain. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, there you go. Two bets. Double of doesn't go the distance in the main event and the Everett uh, Franklin fight. I think that's like just over double your money and a little cheeky underdog bet on uh, on Rafi and Stotts. 
Amazing. What are you up to this weekend? As there's no beloved UFC on. Uh, I haven't got that far actually, mate. I've not really thought about it. It's it's weird that it was so, we've become so accustomed to there being a card every weekend that now I have absolutely no idea what to actually do. Like, what do normal people do on a Saturday night? <laughs> like, oh, especially so with true. all the COVID and lockdown stuff that's happened as well. Like, d- 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 what what happens now? <laughs> like, what do we do? Yeah, it's, it is weird, isn't it? It's like, what is normal? Like, does normal, what is normal life? What happens? How does one socialize? <laughs> yeah, fight fans have no idea. We spend our Saturday nights alone, drinking, watching watching two men in a cage try and kill each other with, with their pants on. Um, <laughs> but on that note, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. We wanted to make it a quite short episode this week because I know you're feeling a bit under the weather, mate. So um, we hope you uh, you feel better and we'll be back next week with uh, another new episode. <laughs>